The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, May 5th in Hong Kong, Thursday, May 4th in New York. And coming up today... A sell-off in regional lenders leads to mounting anxiety over stability of the U.S. banking system. Apple beats estimates on signs that iPhone demand may be weathering an industry-wide slump. And Alibaba's global online commerce unit is said to be weighing a U.S. IPO. Taiwan warns China regarding potential drone incursions. U.S. intelligence director says China seeks to achieve goals at U.S. expense. China voicing displeasure regarding Switzerland upping diplomatic efforts with Taiwan. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. A route in regional banks leading to a down day for markets. PacWest shares down 51% after the bank said it's in talks with potential investors and partners. Western Alliance shares tumbled as much as 62% and then bounced back, if we want to call it that, to close down 38%. That's after the bank said that a report that it was exploring options, including a sale, is categorically false. Meantime, First Horizon shares dropping 33%. The bank said... Uh, along with uh, with Toronto Dominion Bank, that it had agreed to terminate the merger pact. They cited uncertainty over regulatory approvals. Now, the sell-off today adds to concerns about the financial sector. As you know, it has been rattled in recent months by the collapse of multiple banks. Bloomberg's Herman Chan stressed that the needs, that a lot more needs to be done to soothe investor nerves. I think at this point, there needs to be a more holistic solution from Washington, from regulators, because no matter what the regionals are saying from a fundamental view, it's not arresting the declines in the market pressure. So there needs to be a more of a government response and, mm-hmm. and, and a deposit guarantee, maybe a blanket guarantee over a short period of time to calm market fears would be helpful. All 21 shares in the KBW Bank Index uh, were, uh, were down for the day. Uh, larger U.S. lenders also declined. Um, and Goldman Sachs shares fell about 2% as the bank's role in Silicon Valley Bank's attempt to raise funds uh, is now under review in a U.S. probe. Doug? We, and the same time we are hearing today that the FDIC is planning to release a highly anticipated proposal to replenish its deposit insurance fund. That could happen as soon as next week. And we have the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
The fund was partly depleted by the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Sources say smaller lenders with less than $10 billion in assets would not have to pay. FDIC data show there were more than 4,000 institutions under that threshold at the end of last year. A political debate has been raging over who should be on the hook for refilling the fund after it was depleted by billions of dollars when the government took the extraordinary step of making all SVB and signature depositors, even uninsured ones, whole. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Apple reported second quarter sales amounting to $94.8 billion. That was better than the $92.6 billion analysts had predicted. The results suggest that Apple is bouncing back from a slump that plagued both the computer and smartphone industries. We got reaction from Dan Morgan at Sinovis Trust. Well, obviously the big numbers that stand out to me is this huge beat in iPhone revenue because coming in this quarter, I had 48.97 that came in at 51.3, and that 48.97 would have represented a negative growth rate of about 3.2%. This is going to put them, I think, probably flat or even slightly up on iPhone revenue. I was looking for about 55 million units, so that's a huge number for them. From a supply perspective, the second quarter was an opportunity for the iPhone 14 to rebound. Uh, The device had suffered from constraints during the prior quarter because of COVID policies in China. Separately, Apple announced plans for $90 billion in stock repurchases, which was the same as last year's plan. And the company raised its quarterly dividend 4% to $0.24 a share. Apple shares had traded up around 3% uh, in after-hours trading. At the moment, they have advanced about 2%. Well, Lyft is forecasting disappointing revenue for the current quarter. According to the company, top line will be between a billion to $1.02 billion. That is less than what the street was looking for. Analysts were estimating $1.08 billion. Lyft also reported fewer than expected active riders on its platform. It's an indication Lyft is failing to stay competitive with Uber despite lowering rider fares. Here is Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh. What uh, Uber has done well is they've created tiered pricing for, you know, really attracting all kinds of users. So if you're if you care about price, you can find that kind of ride on Uber. If you want that convenience, you can find an expensive ride and a shorter ETA. Lyft just is struggling to keep that driver supply on the platform. And that's why the ETAs are going up. So, you know, the user experience won't be as good because people don't want to wait. That is Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh. By the way, today's results regarding Lyft come as the company's new CEO, David Risher, is attempting to turn Lyft into a profitable profitable company. He's already begun to shake things up, recently cutting 26% of Lyft's workforce. Risher has also said he's committed to being competitive on prices. He's planning to direct some of the cost savings to subsidizing lower fares and boosting driver earnings. Lyft shares right now in the late U.S. session down by more than 15 percent. Alibaba's international online shopping unit is exploring a U.S. initial public offering. We hear more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. We're told the IPO might be launched as soon as next year. The company's weighing options to spur growth for the business, and that includes major e-commerce brands Lazada and AliExpress. Earlier in March, Alibaba unveiled plans to break up its empire into units such as e-commerce, logistics, and the cloud. And it said it'll have each business potentially explore fundraising and an IPO at an appropriate time. If the U.S. IPO plan goes ahead, it'll be competing with rivals such as Amazon in markets outside China.
Analysts' valuation for Alibaba's international business units vary between $29 and $39 billion. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We had a little bounce in Alibaba shares, up one and a quarter percent in U.S. trading with the ADRs. And we also saw an advance yesterday in Hong Kong, up four tenths of a percent. But that stock has traded down about 20 percent over the past month. Well, I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Christner. Doug, Apple's uh, numbers really didn't do too much to, to change the, uh, the, the, the sort of level of heat or coolness in the markets. And I wanted to do, strip out the China numbers because it didn't appear in our story. It's because it wasn't that newsworthy. Uh, sales were down a little, but sort of in line with the rest of the revenues, down 2.8%. But the next quarter could be quite interesting in that uh, we know that the reopening is playing into this year. And and last year in the second quarter, we had the lockdowns, uh, particularly in the Shanghai area. So that could be uh, could be good for Apple. Japan was down, but not that much. Interestingly, the rest of the Asia Pacific was up 15 percent. And that's quite surprising. And Cook saying on the conference call with analysts that India is an incredibly exciting market for the company to focus on. Let's not forget uh, that Apple did authorize an additional stock buyback program of up to 90 billion. That's pretty significant. I think analysts have already kind of adjusted expectations for this company a great deal. If you remember, uh, the stock so far this year, I think, is what, up 28%. It's outperformed the overall market quite significantly. Yeah. Its PE is 28, the forward PE 26. Not cheap. And <laughs> that's high compared to where it often trades. However, it's really the same as uh, Procter and Gamble, Coke, McDonald's, mm. um, and those are you know those are considered staples. Uh, is Apple a staple? I think many people would say, yes, it sort of is, and it and it grows faster than those companies I just mentioned. Yeah, I'd like to get your reaction to this idea that maybe we'll get a rate cut as soon as the July Fed meeting at the swaps market right now, pricing in odds well over fifty percent. Based on what we heard yesterday from the Fed chairman, that doesn't seem to be a possibility. But maybe the market's not buying the Fed's story right now. I almost think it's the Fed and Jay Powell not buying the market story because the market is calling for these uh, three cuts towards the end of the year. Uh, and essentially, they're almost talking about different things. As I mentioned in our, our conference call, it seems like the Fed is really thinking about this in terms of inflation. And it thinks that the market's cuts mean that inflation will come down. And the Fed does not believe that's what's going to happen. But it's actually the market thinking that there's trouble out there mm. and it could be recessionary conditions. But you didn't hear, you know, you didn't hear Jay Powell talking about that. What he talked about was uh, that the job numbers are solid and there are no immediate signs that recession is in the picture, certainly by, by July. So it creates an interesting battle. Yeah, let's get to global news next here on Daybreak Asia. Taiwan's defense minister is saying the country will treat China drone incursions as a first strike attempt. Let's get to Ed Baxter in the Bloomberg Newsroom in San Francisco. Eddie? Yeah, that's right, Doug. Uh, saying the ministry does not wish for war to break out in the Taiwan Strait, but Chu Kuchang uh, repeating previous declarations made about aircraft violating the 12-mile line, now applying to drones. This while China sent increasing numbers into the broader air defense identification zone it has stayed out of the more narrow region so far meanwhile the u.s director of national intelligence averill haynes is telling the senate armed services committee today that the ccp is increasingly convinced it can only fulfill xi jinping's vision at the expense of the united states and through tools of coercion using demonstrations of strength 
as well as economic and political coercion to compel governments to acquiesce to the CCP's preferences, including the land, sea, and air claims in the region and its assertions of sovereignty over Taiwan. And she says uh, China sees the U.S. as a threat that must be undercut in many ways. Haynes also says China would seek to exploit a debt default, propaganda, and intelligence gathering. China's embassy in Switzerland has voiced what it calls strong discontent over a move in the Swiss parliament's lower house aimed to intensify its relations with Taiwanese lawmakers. Now, the embassy says it has grossly interfered with China's internal affairs. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has visited the international criminal court at The Hague, acknowledging the recent arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin. Of course, we all want to see different Vladimir here in The Hague. And U.S. State Department spokesman Vidant Patel says Russia is running more and more attacks. Since May 1st, Russia has launched more than 145 airstrikes across Ukraine. That means Russia has launched more than one missile one drone or bomb every hour, 24 hours a day, for four straight days. And the State Department also saying it believes purported drone attack on the Kremlin is a Russian false flag, says not very good one either. Former chairman of the Proud Boys, Henry Enrique Tario, has been convicted of seditious conspiracy tied to the January 6th insurrection. And in the U.S. and Europe, today is... The 4th of May. Jedi's strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the Force I made. May the 4th be with you. Global News, powered by more than, and uh, Galaxy News, more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Brian Curtis along with Rashad Salama. We have Doug Krizer on Markets and Ed Baxter there on News. And now our guest is Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Christina, we were just talking about the different positioning uh, from the Fed and the swaps market. Um, the swaps market, the work function on the Bloomberg tells us it's more than 52% the likelihood that we'll get a cut by July. Do you think that that's possible? I think it's very unlikely, but there's always a possibility something like that could happen. But I don't think we would want to get to a scenario with the economy where we would see the Fed cut rates. 
Hey, uh, you know, Christina, I, I wanted to just phrase the question differently. I'm kind of curious whether or not, is that like a hedging? It's, it's not the market predicting it or saying this is going to happen, but it's like positioning yourself as a hedge in case it does happen. Well, I think that's part of it, but I really do believe markets are more in, are increasingly anticipating that the Fed has um, committed overkill and that we could see a situation where the economy deteriorates significantly. We're also, of course, uh, in a disinflationary environment, and that will continue. I think that will accelerate. So, uh, but I, I think for the Fed to actually cut rates in, in July, we'd have to see a very significant economic downturn. I hope we don't see it, and I don't think it's likely. Because, um, you know, I, I had a guest in 2008, uh, and uh, this was in July of that year, and that's when the European Central Bank raised interest rates, and uh, he called it an economic war crime. I had a guest on yesterday suggesting that tightening during a banking crisis is an act of insanity. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I won't use such extreme language, but I do think it's foolhardy. Uh, I think it's, it's a mistake on the part of the Fed. It is looking in the rearview mirror at inflation. Inflation is a problem that is uh, certainly uh, uh, has been a very significant problem, but it is going away. And it needs to be worried about um, breaking things. And, and it needs to be worried about just how much damage it is doing to the U.S. economy and, and quite frankly, the global economy um, with, uh, with the aggressive hikes that it has made over the past 14 or so months. Um, okay. And we've, got, of course, it's quite synchronized, right? We've had a lot of central banks do it. Um, so that's, that's uh, adding to the kind of a very um, treacherous environment we're in. Let me take the other side of the argument. It's what we do and defend Jerome Powell. Uh, he said quite clearly yesterday that with the jobs market at this level, uh, that he doesn't really see, uh, you know, that many hurdles on the horizon. And that uh, basically the reason they would cut would be if inflation were coming down rapidly and he does not see that happening. Uh, if you look at the earnings that we just got and put that together with a strong jobs market, can you really see recession coming anytime soon? Well, I certainly hope not. That is not my base case. But we don't know what the lagged effects are of such aggressive monetary policy tightening. Um, let's face it, there tends to be a 12 to 18 month lag, which means we've only just begun to see the impact of rate hikes on the economy. And so it could be quite significant and, and there could be a lot of damage done. But I do think he makes certainly a, a coherent argument that, that the economy is in good shape right now. But employment tends to be a lagging indicator. Let's hope it holds up. Let's hope we don't see much in the way of, of an increase in, in unemployment. Let's hope labor force participation continues to improve. Um, I certainly think there is a scenario where we see, I wouldn't say a soft landing, but a bumpy landing, um, not a hard landing. Tell me, what are the fixed income markets, uh, sovereign debt anyway, treasuries actually at the moment pricing in? Well, I think their expectation is an economic slowdown, and that is certainly in the cards, given the kind of aggressive tightening we've seen. Um, but economic disaster, definitely not. 
Let's talk a little bit more about the banking crisis. Um, Doug raised a point uh, several times on the program, uh, uh, not really making the point, but raising the question, should there be a ban on short selling? Because it seems like a lot of banks are being targeted now that otherwise look like solid banks, but their stock price is plummeting. And it's an easy way for speculators in the market to take advantage of fear. Uh, do you see that as reasonable, uh, as something that might be considered? Well, I just think there are other options that are less drastic, right? We all want to believe in free markets. So the better course, in my opinion, would be for the Fed to come out, for the U.S. Treasury to come out and, and guarantee, you know, the FDIC insurance uh, would be more broadly applied, um, perhaps an unlimited uh amount for deposits, at least, you know, in in the very short term, because that seems to be the catalyst for all that we're seeing. I think there's this expectation that that um, some of these banks are very vulnerable because they don't have um, that that insurance covering, um, uh, you know, a significant portion of their deposits that could yeah. easily be remedied. And that really, I think, would end the short selling frenzy. Okay, 30 seconds. Uh, we always like to talk about the big macro conditions, but we want to know about actions, too. What would you buy here? What's your single best pick of the moment? I actually think it's technology. And and my rationale is that we're actually seeing rates come down. Um, that's li- likely to benefit tech more than other areas. But more importantly, the economy is clearly in a slowdown mode. And that's a time to be in more defensive sectors, as well as secular growth areas of the economy. And, and technology is front and center for that. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.